Welcome back to another episode of Black Girl Fly. I'm your girl, Tanisha Nicole. And I'm Tashonda Dixon. And today we're talking about part two of this episode of Striking Out. So in the last episode, we didn't get to delve into all of the, you know, kind of adventures or <laughs> ventures, you, as you want to call them, that we have explored over the years. But that really is the continuation of that conversation. And so last we talked, Tashana was ta- sh- sharing with us about some the work she was doing in financial services for about seven to eight years, where it really was like some of your passion work. Yeah, it was definitely. And in that, I learned a lot about myself, mm. about what I liked, what I didn't like. And I realized that I didn't have a passion for any of the work that I was doing in my nine to five. Mm. And, and so at that point in my life, it was really figuring out how to do more of that. And I made a plan mm. that I was going to get out of my nine to five and go full time into financial services. Yeah. And my journey, I got into photography in high, I mean, actually I started in high school. That is true. And then I kind of explored it throughout college, but I ended up getting a job in it in college as one of my side hustles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but when I graduated college, I started doing it for myself. And the it was really crazy to me. But what I realized is that once I put a monetary value on my art and my passion, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it anymore. Really? Yeah. Like it was because you have to serve a client to the client's want sometimes. And not your vision. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. at the detriment to your art and your craft. Yeah. So, you know, I did photography for total for about 10 years, but. I did it on and off because, you know, I would lose the passion for it and lose the, like, drive and desire to, like, become a better photographer just because I wasn't excited by the projects I was doing or, you know, I just was doing it at a certain point to make money. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so at this point, I've actually sold pretty much all of my photography equipment, which my sister was very... What the heck? Shocked She was also my uh, family (laughs) photographer, guys. Yo, so. iPhones are amazing. So now I tell her we about to take some photos that you know pictures on iPhones. But yeah, I really, you know, at this point, I feel like I've closed the chapter on that. Yeah. But but yeah, that really it really started to turn me off once I started having to charge people for my work. Yeah. It, it's so funny that you mentioned that because when I think about my work in financial services, the biggest issue that I had is I would meet so many people mm-hmm. who couldn't pay me. And I was really torn because I was like, I want to help them, but I'm not being compensated for my time and it's not sustainable for me. Yeah. So I did like during that time, I was doing a lot of like training at churches and really talking to large groups of people. And in that, some of the things that I would find would be devastating, like people who were supposed to retire in a year who would lose their houses with the plan that they had moving forward. And I had a problem with that I really wanted to help the people, but it wasn't. (laughs) paying the bills yeah and i'm like your business you don't have a business <laughs> if you yeah. don't have money coming in it really is just a hobby at that point yep. and you have to do something that is getting you money in the door so that you can pay all of the bills that you have you know yeah. your student loans yeah. your house and whatever else you have so so what did you do after 
photography. So photography is dead to you because people are telling you how to change your art. <laughs> well, I mean, I stuck in it for like 10 years. So yeah. I did many other things while I was doing photography okay. because I was still like, I want to do photography for the art of it, for the fun of it. Um, I don't want the cost to be the driving factor. Yeah. So I tried to supplement it with other so wait, entrepreneurial so, ventures. So now, so now you're doing a full-time job. <laughs> You're doing your love of photography <laughs> and you're putting other stuff in there. And I'm pretty sure I had a side hustle also probably still working at the restaurant at that time. Okay. Still living my best life, traveling the world, still going to happy hour, doing all this stuff. <laughs> yes. But what was the next thing that I got into? Oh, I I started creating events for a purpose. And so I had been, I don't know, I, I run in many different types of circles, but I like to take the best ideas from the circles and mm-hmm. kind of meld it into one. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I came up with this concept of like, you know, we're gathering for an event, but that event is also benefiting a group of people, yeah. right? We're not just coming to party to party. And so I hosted a number of events, but my first one, my favorite one was really, we got some tables from the local Boys and Girls oh, Club. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. And I hosted a paint and sip event. And so the idea was that people would come, they would be able to do a a paint and sip night, but it wasn't you making, you know, a picture on a canvas for you to take home for yourself because that's selfish, right? No. But it was us creating art to live on these broken down tables that are at the Boys and Girls Club to inspire them to dream. Yeah. Right. And so... The event turned out better than I could have ever, ever imagined. Like, so many people came out and... I mean, the artist. Yeah, so there was beautiful what came together. It was a bunch of people who were not artists, (laughs) right? And a bunch of people who didn't know each other. And so they would get in groups of like five or six. And as a group of five or six, you had to collectively decide on a design, that you would put on here, and it will represent your group, mm-hmm. even though y'all just met each other. Yeah. <laughs> but what is the lasting image y'all want to make on this table for this group of kids that you have no idea about? And so literally right before the event, y'all, I was literally, I picked up the tables by myself. I had a U-Haul. <laughs> like It was a hot mess me putting it together. But I parked outside the venue, and literally this guy walked by, and the event space was in a um, is in Southeast, which is not a great part of DC. Is it was in the process of being gentrified at the time, but anyways, it was still a little hood. <laughs> so this guy walks by. <laughs> this guy walks by. I'm in the back of the U-Haul painting the tables the base color, <laughs> and he sees me. He's like, "Yo, what are you doing?" <laughs> I'm like. Oh, I'm just prepping for this event. I have it a couple of hours. He was like, oh, dope. Like, I would love to come out and support, whatever. I was like, yeah, that would be wonderful. I would love to see you there. Gave him the information. And fast forward, like, we're putting together the groups. He came. He showed up. And he was in one of these groups. And the team he was on decided on the design. And come to find out, this man was an artist. He's up here. (laughs) They decided to do a flowers. This man is drawing these the most beautiful flowers you yeah. have ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was just like, it was just amazing. The whole night came together. But like, I wanted to create events like that, that would impact people and like resonate with people and help people. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. you know, I love art. So <laughs> what better way to yeah. impact lives with art? So that was a long ramble, but I created events like that, you know, 
typical events, you would have a sip, a paint and sip event that was so common at the time. Yeah. But to me, it didn't have meaning. So I wanted to put a little purpose, purpose spin on it. Yeah. So was that something that you were able to monetize? I was not that successful in monetizing it just because the cost of my events were not sustainable. I didn't have a marketing budget. Yeah. But I think it would have been successful if I had, it was literally just me. Yeah. (laughs) I needed to mobilize the team. Yeah. Yeah. So going through that, you think through kind of what, what, what did you do next and what information did you take from that experience on to the next thing? I feel like I'm in the hot seat. Let's go back to you <laughs> while I think about that. Okay. Like, okay. Let's go back okay. to you. So after you were doing financial services and you could help people, couldn't help people, or you couldn't help the people that you really wanted to, what did you do yeah. next? Yeah. So I would say that I did a lot of things, but my transition came more out of, okay, at this time when I ended my financial services career, I had grown this business with my ex. Mm. Um, so the financial service business was a partnership with my ex and everything that we had, um, grown all our relationships was as a couple. Mm -hmm. And so, um, during the time where our relationship started to get a bit rocky, there's so many more things that I've done, Mm -hmm. but kind of skipping over a couple little things that I've done, I really saw an area and I realized that my strength was in, in looking at a business and kind of just being able to, help people get past the hump or mm. to see something they didn't see before. Yeah. And so while I was in the financial service business, I, I did a lot of assisting <laughs> or mentoring people mm. in, in the growth of their business. Mm. And and so I've helped people from someone who had a summer feeding camp where they were nonprofit, mostly funded by the government, mm. and they would feed students, kids in school age throughout the whole summer. So mm. I helped her to get the word out and do a bit more marketing. She wasn't familiar in that area. Yeah. So it was more about, hey, we're out here because she actually got paid on the number of students that she had to participate. Then there was a cleaning service, actually, that my sister and my brother-in-law... Moving, moving. Uh, sorry, moving. No, it was cleaning and moving. Oh, yeah, they um, did. They start. did, they did. Yes. I forgot about yes. that. Sorry. So that's actually, by the way, where I'm going with it. So yeah. they were really like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to we're gonna start this business. But they had no business experience. Mm-hmm. So I actually helped them set up the LLC and, and mm-hmm. do all the filings and make sure all their stuff was in order for running the business. And then they're like, okay, we're going to do it. And, and so throughout the... I would say they've had this business. They still have this business. So it's probably been 20 years years mm-hmm. in this business and I would actually go on to get them to remove the cleaning portion mm-hmm. <laughs> of the business because they were more focused on the moving and it was easier. They had built a more sustainable process for maintaining that business. And so I really went through this time frame where I was more of watching everyone else and helping them get through the hurdles yeah. and the humps and the things that they were experiencing. And also collectively, I think from a family perspective, we were all entrepreneurs and we decided that we kind of wanted to do some things together. Mm-hmm. So during this time also, we did an organization called Ugain mm-hmm. that was actually centered in Memphis, Tennessee, because uh, we had my mom at the time lived in Memphis, my uncle, and we had put together a group of people to help do this this program that would kind of help children again from a, more of an educational perspective. Mm-hmm. From there, I had, so I would see business models kind of out and about. So shoe dazzle was something that I saw. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I re- recreated kind of a shoe dazzle concept mm-hmm. and did that for a little bit. I have really done everything. Yeah, um, we've done the gamut, the yeah. gamut. Uh, but when I look at all those things, just from 
there to then, and that's not all of them yet. But as I look at that, what I realized is that I had a passion, and it went back to the the education portion mm-hmm. of I am a person still naturally who I look at a problem and I analyze it to death. Mm, um, yes, yes, y'all. <laughs> this is true. This is but real it, true. That also came in my career. So for my professional career in, in corporate America, I transitioned from that financial service space mm-hmm. to be more of a technical analyst. And so that even that transition in my career came from people seeing that about me. And so that was another one of those things that are in my skill tool chest that I just do naturally. Right. And so I ended up always <laughs> advising yeah. and moving and, and talking yeah. about strategy and approach in, mm. in business. That's so interesting. When I reflect on mine, it's like I have learned that I'm not great. So I've I learned that I work well by myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I have you know, tried to do teams. Yes. So from, like I called it trade space. So from the events with the purpose, I went on to do many things, but I would volunteer with nonprofits to, you know, <laughs> not where I managed large teams, yes. which I did not enjoy. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe teams is not the solution for me. Yeah. So then I started focusing on systems and processes. I'm like, well, if I'm going to be in a business by myself, then how is it that I can run an entire business as a single person? Yeah. That means I need to create systems and processes that, you know, I am not the bottleneck of. So mm-hmm. I work a lot with contractors and I have been doing that for years to help the different aspects of business that I don't like doing, yeah. <laughs> get yeah. that stuff done. Yeah. And so we did a couple of family ventures as well, but I realized I'm literally, I'm like good when I'm by myself. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm so like... I'm, I'm the exact opposite though. Like I am more a visionary and mm-hmm. I could, I can energize a group of people to mm-hmm. get an initiative completed. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, and, and so, and that came from, I told you, I, I was working with business owners and I'm saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is what you do, go execute. Yeah. And, and and in that, I created this kind of system yeah, with those people. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up doing a similar thing because my photography business, business started doing graphic design. Mm-hmm. But in graphic design, I would do it for small businesses And they would want me to do more for them because I could see, when I look at a business, I could see things that could be fixed. Yeah. But I hated working with small businesses (laughs) because they don't know business. I mean, I'm generalizing here, but the ones that I was working with, their knowledge was so limited and their capacity was also limited because most of them were also working nine to fives. Yeah. But like I would pour my heart out and like trying to build a system and trying to help them. And they would go around and do none of it because they didn't have the capacity or the willpower to do it. And yeah. I was just like, this is a waste of my yeah. time. So, so I did have that similar experience too. But what I decided to do. So at first I was like, go do this, go do this, go to this. And if they didn't do it, I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You, you just showed me what it is that one, either you have a lack of trust and lack of faith in what I'm telling you, Mm-hmm. Or two, you don't actually have the desire to do the things that you said you wanted to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so for me, that was just cause for mm-hmm. me to decide to exit. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I had gotten burnt so many times on that. I was just like, I'm gonna stop wasting my energy on other people <laughs> and do my own. Yeah, and so then I went yeah. to venture on my own, and I created like a bridal accessory business where I, you know, wanted to do the system, wanted to create the process, but it completely <laughs> collapsed because. 
I didn't want to do the work. <laughs> like, okay. I like. I, I think that's what it came down to, and it for me, I think it was because it didn't have that purpose and that meaning that yeah. is so important to me. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's kind of where I am today. Like, I'm a person of system. I'm a person of process, but I'm also I need to be doing something that means something deeply to me. Yeah. So, so a couple things though. So when I left um, the financial service business. I actually left because I was having issues in my marriage, Mm -hmm. and I decided that I was going to let him continue our financial service business as a lead contact, Mm -hmm. and I was going to go into my own venture. Mm -hmm. So I actually owned and operated a nail salon, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, if anyone knows me, I am not a nail person. (laughs) This all happened out of spite, essentially. Mm -hmm. At the time, I had been going to a nail salon weekly to get services done or whatever. And I was there. It was an Asian nail salon. Mm -hmm. And I'd been going to her for like three years, faithfully, like every other week for three years. Mm -hmm. And a couple things happened. So she was buying a house. I remember one instance she was buying a house. Mm -hmm. And it was a really nice house in a really nice neighborhood. And she was was secretive. Like, like first Mm -hmm. of all, she tried to tell me she didn't own the nail salon. Anyone knows me knows I'm an investigator. I knew that she owned the nail salon. Um, and then when she was like, she was kind of like, oh, I'm better than you with this whole house thing. And I was like, dude, I could buy that house too, but you don't know me. So uh, so, so that was something. And then we were having a conversation. I was asking her just general questions. Like it wasn't really anything to it, but I was asking her about owning the nail salon and kind of operating it and hard and why so many Asian people do this and whatnot. And she literally said to me after three years of seeing me every other week, it shouldn't matter to you. Black people don't own nail salons. Mm. And I was like, wow. Mm. At this point, I've spent thousands with this lady. It's true. To, I mean, it's true. Nowadays, I, you see a lot more black nail salons. But for sure. it, it wasn't that from that I didn't get that she was saying that it's just not something. She was like, you guys don't belong. Here's what I got. Mm. Um, oh, that's interesting. And And the thing about it is when I looked around, there were only black women. Right. I don't never see no Asian people getting their nails done. And I was like, wow, I'm going to show you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So literally, the next month, I found a location. (laughs) I found contractors. And I was open three months later. I never went back to that space again. I started the nail salon because of that. And the whole point of the nail salon was if we're going to spend our money here, Mm-hmm. we're going to spin it with our own. And so I went through this, and that was probably the hardest that I've ever worked because I had a point to prove. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I literally wow. uh, had a great nail tech out of Dallas, and she was like, I'm going to work with you. I see this mission, and this is, and it was something that was important to her, so she was able to join me in that mm-hmm. mission. And then I actually had a business partner in my college roommate, and when we were like, we're going to do this, and we went at it hard. Yeah, I guess I think it was the combination of seeing my work ethic and then the relationships that I developed mm-hmm. that my mom was like, this looks cool. Let me get back into this. <laughs> and so with my mom and I, we decided to open a thrift store mm-hmm. next door to the nail salon. And we ran the thrift store and the nail salon all the way through that period. And, and I ultimately got a divorce. And then my mom actually got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And that's when we closed because we had some life changes to make. <laughs> but it was a great experience, tons of work. And from there, 
it was my first encounter with really having to manage a ton of employees, mm-hmm. employees who had to have specialized skills and licenses yep, yep. and their commitments and not commitments and yeah. and kind of that whole thing. And it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. I learned how to do nails. That's how hard it was. <laughs> well, one of my lessons is, I mean, have a business where if all the crap hits the fan. You can do it you yourself. You can deliver the service or Definitely. product. <laughs> ding, ding, ding um, is what I'd have to say there. Yeah. And yeah. I think I've taken that, that lesson to heart in everything mm-hmm. I've done moving forward. But I had to be able to do it myself. Yeah. Um, to go there. So we still have a lot more to talk about, but we are, of course, going over our time. So you want to save the rest for part three? Yes. So in part three, we're really going to talk about the lessons we've learned, Mm -hmm. a couple more ventures. Yeah, a couple more ventures. We still got more. (laughs) So until next time, I'm Tashonda Dixon. And I'm Tanisha Nicole. And we we are Black Girl Fly. Fly.